Hello everybody and welcome to episode 9 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai and I'm the editor-in-chief of Auto Trader. And I'm Dan Alika. I am Auto Trader's road test editor. Dan, today we're talking all about all-wheel drive. All right. I think all-wheel drive is a super important topic lots of Canadians are interested in. Yes. Um, so we're going to go through stuff like pros and cons, what is all-wheel drive versus 4x4 and the differences, all of that good stuff. We all also right. have some interesting ask an expert questions for later. Sweet. Um, but let's start by chatting about why all-wheel drive is so popular with Canadian drivers. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, in this country, we get a lot of inclement weather, uh, come wintertime especially. But I also think that, you know, the, the marketing geniuses at all these car companies uh, have played a more significant role than the average Canadian would like to admit in being influenced into making all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive a prerequisite. Because I personally, after, you know, all these years uh, doing this job, I still do not think it is absolutely mandatory and it's definitely not as important as winter tires. Yeah, that's very true. Like I've driven, you know, we both have Volkswagen Golfs that are front wheel drive. I've driven mine through numerous winters, many, many snowstorms, and I have a really good set of winter tires and it's front wheel drive again, never got stuck. Yeah, I think, you know, I do understand um, from a sort of precautionary approach, right? People have that... Uh, you know, better safe than sorry kind of. It's like an added security blanket kind of thing. For sure. But my thing is like, you know, I, I do think a lot of people feel too confident because of having more traction. The important thing to remember is that, you know, it doesn't make you stop any quicker. Uh, and that's a big one. And that's usually when, if you think about it right now, just picture, I know it's still summertime and we don't like to think about winter, but for a moment, take yourself to winter time you're driving in your vehicle whatever it may be and you start to slip or or skid on the road think about the scenario in in the kind of moment that led up to it rarely is it something that happens during acceleration it's usually when you're trying to slow down and you start to you know slide because there's black ice or whatever so like Tell me, what, what would all-wheel drive do to help you in that situation? That's exactly it. So all-wheel drive helps you get going faster, um, but it does not help you stop faster. Yeah, and like I said, it's like over overconfident. Yeah. I think it provides, you know, it's almost like the idea that, you know, I ride my bike, I wear a helmet when I do so, but I'm not like taking headers intentionally, right? I'm not like, you know, leaping off my bike. I mean, that would be hilarious Head to watch. first, but you know, and it's the same thing with, with all wheel drive. Like to me, it's the equivalent of, you know, a helmet while you're riding your bike. It's something that you, you shouldn't like want to use, but I see a lot of people in the wintertime driving a pickup truck or an SUV just like yeah. blasting down the road in a snowstorm. And they feel invincible with all-wheel drive, but like I've seen so many times, like but back when the Detroit Auto Show was held in January, yeah. we would drive down to Detroit from Toronto and every year without doubt there would be like a blizzard or something and that's a really dangerous drive to do when that when you have that kind of bad weather. And on my way there, I would I would be very careful, winter tires and everything, and I would see so many all-wheel drive trucks and SUVs in the ditch. Yeah. The whole drive was littered with yes. them because those drivers are just taking too many risks because they're relying on their all-wheel drive to make them feel like Superman or yes. something. <laughs> and the other thing to talk about that I get into a lot um, when I 
talk, I'm a big advocate uh, of winter tires. I know you are as well. And I talk a lot about that and we can get into it a little bit later. But um, when I ask people, why don't you have winter tires on your, you know, brand new truck or whatever? And, and quite often I get hit with the response, oh, they're expensive. And it's like, cool, man, you, you spent 80 grand on this pickup truck and you're sweating a thousand dollars in tires. Not to mention you're by having two sets of tires, you're prolonging the lifespan of both of them. Exactly. So you're not going to have to replace them as often. So like, so but it really is an investment. Yeah, but it's just like, to me, it's so silly. How could you sit there and say, oh, winter tires are, are expensive and unnecessary when you've spent yeah. $80,000 on a vehicle. But there are also so many people where I say, oh, why don't you have winter tires? And they say, oh, well, I have all wheel drive. Yeah. And then I have to tell them, well, actually, yeah. I have to be that person to remind them that like, you know, even if you have all wheel drive, you still need winter tires. Yeah. And, um, and I said this, you know, in, in one of, I think it was the Chrysler Pacifica review, which you can all go watch on the Auto Trader YouTube channel. Um, it's not, I don't make, I don't know if you guys need a reminder, like Jody and I are journalists. We're not salespeople. We don't make money. We don't get, you know, bonuses for recommending certain vehicles. <laughs> what we do is for your benefit. Okay. So all of the advice that we're giving you guys is in, is what we say, Hey, this is in your best interest based on our experience. So us telling you to get winter tires, we're not getting handed a, you know, Cal Tire's not like, hey, thanks, good job, guys. You yeah, know, here's a gift card. we don't make any kickbacks like, from no, these recommendations. We're doing this because we want you guys to be safe and we want to see you guys out there, you know, driving confidently but driving safely. And if winter tires are the way to do that, that is way more important than spending the money on all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. Right. So let's then go over the differences between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive okay. because they are different and yep. i don't think a lot of people kind of understand the difference agreed so let's demystify this joseph <laughs> so all-wheel drive you know the the kind of overview definition i would say is like it's a automatic system that cannot be manipulated by the driver as in you cannot activate or deactivate it right it's That's, like a it's like a completely hands-free. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's exceptions to the rule, different drive modes. Um, you know, the Subaru WRX STI was a good example. RIP, a car that's, that's no longer. Let's pour one out. Uh, but that had, you know, that center differential that you could adjust. So, you know, somebody might say, well, technically, Dan, then would that make it a four-wheel drive system? No, because you can't completely disengage the system. So if it's locked in and it will disconnect on its own, but you can't do that, then that would be an all-wheel drive system. Right. And then a four-wheel drive system would be an engageable system. So one that typically you would see on a pickup truck or something like, like a, Jeep. a Jeep Wrangler, where you can run it in rear-wheel drive and then engage four-wheel drive. Right. So those are, that's kind of, that's it. Th those are the differences. Yeah. And so typically the, the all-wheel drive systems that most of us are used to will drive the front wheels until it detects some type of slippage and then it will automatically send power to, to power all the wheels yeah, there's to give very, you extra traction. It's, it's rare um, to have like full-time all-wheel drive, like Subaru, of course, synonymous with all-wheel drive mm -hmm. uh, and its systems are full-time. That means right. there's always power going to all four wheels. But most vehicles are not like that. No, that are all wheel they drive. disconnect. Yeah. And the reason they do that is um, because 
it helps the fuel economy yeah. if you're only driving two wheels versus four. Yeah. And so that's the benefit of those systems. Sometimes you'll hear to um, you'll hear them referred to as slip and grip systems. Yeah. Which that's kind a, of explains how they work. Yeah. <laughs> that's a you know it's an it's an interesting you know kind of clever clever term for it. Um, but yeah, literally, there's also like differentials, right? Torsen, people think it's a brand. That's just torque sensing. So it's the same thing when it, you know, when it senses that, that mm -hmm. in this case, torque, and it'll distribute it. And it's the same sort of approach with these all-wheel drive systems, right? Where it will react. That is the other thing, right? Is that so, like the other, the difference in reality that you'll notice is like proactive versus reactive systems. Um, so certain systems, all-wheel drive systems tend to be proactive in that they can you know, adjust for conditions before anything happens where an all wheel drive or sorry, a four wheel drive system with an automatic setting, which you're seeing more and more in pickup trucks these days, those are more what I would describe as reactive systems. Mm -hmm. So you can actually feel that four wheel, you know, torque distribution engage. Whereas in an all wheel drive system, usually you, you can't it's it's like completely indiscernible, which yeah. is good. Yeah, because that means it's just working on its own and you don't notice yeah. it, which is exactly what it's supposed to exactly. be doing. Um, although sometimes in, in like newer vehicles, they have like a display that shows you where the power is going. I love that. So because you can't feel it, it's yeah. really nice to know what your car is doing. Yeah. And so I really love those kinds of um, information displays that tell you that cool stuff. Um, and then the other thing to note about 4x4 four four yes. versus all-wheel drive is the type of platform they're usually on, right? So like truck frame. Yeah, body on frame, yeah. that's typically, you know, what a So that's what stuff a like a Jeep Wrangler or like a, a, like a Ford Bronco. Yeah, like any, no, any like pickup truck based, you know, SUV, like even, um, you know, well, obviously the Nissan Frontier, Toyota, Tacoma, right. bigger ones like the Tundra and stuff like that, the Chevrolet Suburban, um, you've got, you know, what the Infiniti QX80 and the right. Nissan Armada. So any like big SUVs tend to have those systems. Um, but even something like the, the Jeep Cherokee has like an engageable and that's body on frame. And that's like a, a you know, four, four cool. by four system, as you would call yeah, it. Yeah. And so let's talk about use cases. So yes. for all wheel drive, that would be, you know, regular road driving, bad weather. Yeah. And then four by four, you really don't need it unless you're going off road. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about these modern systems that have automatic settings and even the Wrangler now, right? Jeep recognizes that it's, you know, the, the vast majority of its clientele, hate to break it to you, Jeep people, but you know, aren't using these vehicles as they were designed. Mm -hmm. It's a lifestyle vehicle. Uh, it's about looking the part. So you can get a transfer case now, it's been available for a few years now, that has an automatic setting as opposed to just either rear wheel drive or high and low range gearing. This has one of those reactive systems, so it operates in rear wheel drive. And then if it needs to chip in, it'll send torque to the front wheels as well. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, if you're, let's say you've got a truck and you're, you know, I don't know, you, you have a boat and you're launching your boat yeah you're going to want to engage that four-wheel drive system as you you know back into the water and as you're as you're pulling out just to make sure that you have the traction to get out of that situation but yeah like it's not it's not the type of system that you're going to like use all the time and 
I think part of the problem with 4x4 systems is that a lot of people who have them don't understand how to use like the four low yeah. settings. So why don't you go over the difference between all of those different settings and like when you should use them and when you should definitely not use them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the idea is, you know, again, like I said, a modern four wheel drive system in something like a Chevrolet Silverado or a Ford F-150, Ram 1500, whatever, it's going to have an automatic setting. So that's great you know, in the winter time, uh, leave it in that again, it'll run in rear wheel drive until it detects wheel spin. And then it'll send some torque to the front wheels as well. In the summertime, this time of year, you can leave it in rear wheel drive. Most of the time, that's going to be your most efficient setting. Uh, four wheel high is great for, I don't know, let's say you're on some, you know, old logging road, um, or on like kind of a rough cottage road and you just need a little bit more traction, then you are going to engage that four wheel high four wheel low. The low means low range gearing. And it means don't, don't use it unless you were like doing some, si so like if crawling over a boulder or something, yeah, or if you're, you know, doing some sort of, you know, let's, I don't know, let's say that you've got some like old tree stump sitting in your yard that you want to rip out of there, you wrap a chain around it, you're going to want to engage four wheel low. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that's not something, A, it's really hard on the drivetrain to, to engage that system at speeds above like, you know, 15 kilometers yeah, can, an hour. You can have serious damage um, if you use that setting just driving on the yeah. road. And even, you know, even four wheel high, some older systems, um, if you open the owner's manual, which all of you should, that's definitely one of those things I think, you know, people overlook. Um, you should open your owner's manual, especially if you own a vehicle with different, you know, terrain settings or different four wheel drive or all wheel drive settings. Um, but yeah, some of these older systems would, would have speed limits where it's like, do not use above like 85 kilometers an hour. And you know, that's one of those things I think people don't understand and might engage that system because again, it's like, well, you know, I've got four wheel right. drive and I'm on the highway, but it, it can actually damage the transfer case, which is what shifts that yeah, torque around. Yeah, and that's a very expensive repair. Oh, and just yeah. something else to be aware of is um, using some of these systems, some SUVs and trucks allow you to do it while in motion and some you have to be stopped. Yes. So you have to be really sure which one applies to your Absolutely. vehicle. <laughs> yeah. So like, tr you know, traditionally speaking, it would be mechanical levers that that was always like the giveaway, right? Mm -hmm. Is that you can't be yanking on a mechanical transfer case lever um, behind the wheel of a vehicle while it's in motion. Nowadays, most systems with the exception of, you know, the Jeep Wrangler and a few others use a, like a, a rotary dial mm -hmm. or push buttons to, to pick your different settings. But even so that does not necessarily mean that it's, you know, one of those like on the fly, um, systems and you definitely can't engage four wheel low on the fly once again, because it's not something that you're supposed to be using at speed anyways. So those ones as kind of a fail safe, like you have to shift into neutral first in order to engage it, which is, you know, A, there's a lot going on, but B, it's it's almost like a, are you sure you want to do this? Because it's, you know, it, it, it needs to be deliberate. It's not something that you want to do accidentally. Um, so you would have to stop, engage neutral, 
shifted into four low. But yeah, open your owner's manual. Make sure you know what system your vehicle has. And also, again, just don't do it just because you think. Don't If you're shopping for a vehicle, don't buy it just because. Now, again, the popularity of, of all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive in Canada means if you look at you know the Mercedes lineup, for example, uh, every vehicle in Canada, with the exception of like roadsters the and the high cars, performance yeah. ones. Um, but you know, the C class, like let's say like a C 300 or whatever, or like a GLC class or a GLE class SUV. All of those are all wheel drive in Canada. Whereas in the States, you can still buy rear wheel drive models. Yeah. And that's how popular all wheel drive is in, in Canada is that most cars that are available here are only available with all wheel drive. Yeah. The take rate is so, it's just it's so, so high. high. I mean, even full brands like Genesis, for example, every single one of their vehicles comes standard with all wheel drive. Yeah. And that's the case for a lot of the luxury automakers yeah. and increasingly for a lot of the mainstream automakers as well. But also just as one of those little things to consider for you guys out there is like, Remember, you know, that also means that these automakers can charge more money, right? On average, all-wheel drive adds, you know, $1,500 to $2,000. That's about the the safe number to, to kind of say that that's what it would add to the cost of a vehicle. So, of course, if an automaker can charge you more money for a vehicle, mm-hmm. especially under the guise of, hey, this is something you need. Yeah, it's a safety feature. <laughs> it's, you know, these automakers are in the business of making money. So once again, take that step back and just ask yourself, do you need all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive if it's an upgrade? It's a, is it something that you, you know, absolutely have to yeah. pay for? And once again, it does not excuse you from getting winter tires, even if you live in a place like BC. Because the rule of thumb is generally about eight degrees Celsius. Um, that's when the tire, the rubber compound starts to to react a little more slowly. It hardens up a little bit. Uh, so once the average ambient temperature drops below eight degrees, that's when you should switch to winter tires. Um, someone like me, who I don't drive my personal car that often. I might put a couple thousand kilometers on it a year. Um, so I opted for what are called all weather tires. And this is another sort of misunderstood area of, you know, tires and, and, and the importance of them is that they are winter rated. So they have that little mountain snowflake symbol. And that's how you'll know if the tire you're looking at is a proper winter rated tire, because don't, we could get into a whole thing about, you know, snow snow yeah. tires it's a misnomer it'll probably be another episode we do closer to oh winter my gosh there's a lot to go over because you know virtually all all season tires are are going to you know be considered like snow rated right if it's a if it's like an all-terrain mm-hmm. all-season tire it'll be what's called mud and snow snow tire is a misnomer we're talking winter tires that mountain snowflake symbol and all weather tires which were invented by this brand um I think it's from Sweden. It's called Nokian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're fully winter rated, but they're an all season tire as well. So they're called all weather tires. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Once again, they're not for everyone. Um, they're really ideal for, you know, someone like me who doesn't drive that often. And just the idea of having two sets of tires doesn't really make a lot of sense because in the winter time, you know, when I last had winter tires on my golf, I realized that I had put, 
you know, less than 400 kilometers on my car. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> over the court from November when I swapped to April when I took them off. And I needed new tires. And I was like, well, you know, I'm spending a lot of time and money doing this, you know, twice a year swap um, that I don't really need to be doing. So I opted for all weathers and I, and I love them, but again, they're all weather tires. They're not all season tires. So they are winter rated and that's the important one. So if you go to your local tire dealer or dealership or wherever you might buy your tires, um, you know, talk to a, a technician or talk to a, a sales rep there, but make sure that the tire you're looking at has that mm -hmm. mountain snowflake symbol on it, because that's the only way for sure you'll know whether your tire is winter rated right and again we'll do another we'll do a whole episode about yeah. this closer to the winter because there's just so much to go over um, but going back to all-wheel drive just as like a, a quick uh pros and cons really the only pro is extra traction yeah. and that extra security that because remember weather. traction and grip are two very same. different things yeah. traction is what gets you going that's putting power down but grip is what actually is going to keep you on the road and that's where tires exactly. come into play um, and then the cons are yes. that, like you mentioned, it's more expensive. Yep. Um, you'll you'll have a higher fuel bill because yes. of all-wheel drive. So that's also something to consider when you're shopping around is to budget for that. Especially four-wheel drive. Sorry, just yeah. to jump in. That's another thing that if you're looking at a pickup truck, um, you'll notice that a four-wheel drive version has a much higher rating. And that's not just because of factoring in when it's run in four-wheel drive it's the mechanical drag yeah. of that transfer case right because all those, it's also very heavy yeah and all those parts even if they're even if the system is decoupled that they're still turning it's just that they're not hooked up yeah so that's mechanical drag and that's going to impact your fuel economy yep so just to keep that in mind again when you're shopping um and then also i wanted to talk about uh evs on yeah. all-wheel drive because there's a lot of really great evs that are dual motor now, which means they have a motor on each axle that drives um, all the wheels. Uh, the benefit is that, again, you get extra traction and you can mostly, most of the time you can also turn it off so you can yeah. extend your range by driving only two wheels. Is that true? For some cars, yeah. Oh, okay. They have like a range mode where you can where you can like Interesting. digitally I've not, decouple it. I've not uh, experienced one of those before. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty neat feature. Um, and then, with EVs, if you do have a dual motor, it often has less range. Yeah, oh, for sure. So just something, again, to keep in mind if you're shopping for an all-wheel drive uh, electric vehicle, yeah. dual motor gives you extra traction, but will have less range. So it's like a give and a take. I think there's um, the, the Hyundai Ioniq 5. There's So there's the rear-wheel drive long-range version that uses the same. It's like a 77.4 kilowatt hour battery. Um, and it's got somewhere in the neighborhood of like 480 kilometers of range. And then if you go with the all-wheel drive version, so the dual motor version, um, same battery pack, that range drops to like somewhere closer to 400. So it's like a significant, significant. drop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, it's something to, to keep in mind if, if efficiency is, you know, high on your, on your list of reasons to buy an EV. It's again, not explicitly necessary. Uh, vehicles like the like the Kia Nero, that's been a long-standing example of the fact that you don't need all-wheel drive. Yeah, because um, that those vehicles are front-wheel drive only. Yeah, whether you're talking about the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, or the fully electric yeah. version. And that's another thing to mention is that 
typically, like we said, all wheel drive vehicles will have a penalty on fuel economy. These days, however, there are a lot of great um, hybrid options yeah. for all wheel drive SUVs and crossovers and like sedans and stuff. And Toyota system, Jody and I were talking earlier this morning about it, that Toyota's system is really cool and, and sort of unique in the fact that um, with the hybrid models, that all-wheel drive is actually, it's an independent system. So there's a dedicated electric motor for the rear wheels. It's not connected to the rest of the powertrain at all. Yep. So you get all that extra traction without the ding on your fuel economy. And it's really cool. So it's an on-demand system. Again, chips in with that electric motor driving the rear wheels. Also, like in reverse, mm -hmm. when you shift into reverse, it'll automatically engage. So that's how you have, you know, that fuel-free operation. Yeah, and it's pretty legit too. Like I've driven Priuses with this E, they call it E all-wheel drive system. Yeah. And it's fantastic. With the, a good set of winter tires, you will not get stock no it's pretty impressive in the in the you know i just recently drove the rav4 prime the plug-in hybrid version that also because the plug-in hybrids and and the regular hybrids uh use the same the same you know all-wheel drive approach the same system it's really good and i you know didn't do anything i wasn't it's a it's a rav4 prime you're not going four-wheeling in it but yeah you know it, it is like confidence inspiring um and it's just neat to to know how and again mm -hmm. it has that display you were talking about so you can actually watch how it works and it's just a really smart solution i thought yeah. it was very clever when they came out with it because you get the best of both worlds that way and we love that so great job toyota um, if you have any questions about all-wheel drive or 4x4, anything like that, please email us at expert at trader.ca. Uh, we've probably missed something, but if you guys have questions, definitely let us know. Um, today's Ask an Expert is from Andy and Marco, oh, okay. who we both know very well. So, long-time listener, first-time caller. Wow. We got, he has three questions for us, okay? First question. You are both seasoned drivers, but do you think you could pass a G1 test today? I think I could. I, I genuinely do. Uh, and that's not just, you know, me being overly confident. <laughs> I just think that I'm very cognizant of, you know, the rules of the road. And um, and I really take that stuff seriously. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I think I could without having to crack one of those books. Yeah, the, that, the that show you handbook. all the answers. Yeah. yeah, which I definitely used to study uh, when I was doing my G1 back in the day. So I didn't because that was just the kind of teenager I was. It was like was. cheating. Oh, I felt like I was cheating so, by using so that So here's, here's my confession right here for you and all of our listeners. I, I failed my first G1 test because I didn't open the... I was too busy, you know, chasing girls and doing dumb stuff and I didn't study and my mom took me to the drive <laughs> test center and I failed my test and I was wow. so embarrassed. Yeah. That's that's pretty bad. But I think it was like 10 bucks to retake it and I passed it the second time. Did you take it the same day? Like literally, I just oh. like retook it immediately. Okay. Um, but that was like one of those lesson learned, you know, yeah. should have done some just, studying. Just put some extra time into studying it. Yeah. Um, that handbook is really great. Yeah. Um, and I actually think it's worthwhile to like go through that handbook, even if you've been driving for years, yes. just as a refresher. Especially, you know, rules. I mean, look, the rules are largely the same, but definitely uh, more, a more 
modern version of that book, not the one that you took or read when you took your test because because i'm uh, old those well, rules don't apply anymore well kind of and it's even <laughs> stuff like remember it was always talked about like you know the like 10 and 2 is your driver yeah. hand position but it's it's become nine and three yeah and so that that's what that was andy's next oh, question okay. is that what well see i'm already passing yeah the exactly test. what driving rule has changed since you got your license that would catch people off guard and i think that's one ten that and would two nine and three a hundred percent i think people would and then the other ones to keep in mind these are a little more less about you know sort of they i mean they're rules but it's like the law recognizing you know how much the laws have changed to curb um, street racing and, and stunt driving, driving and distracted driving. So like in Ontario now, um, it used to be that uh, street racing or stunt driving, it was 50 over, your car would be impounded and now it's 40 over. Mm. Um, so they've really kind of ratcheted up the, you know, severity of those penalties and, and what triggers it. Right. Uh, so you got to be careful. So again, it's just important to, to, brush up on that stuff yeah and it's it's interesting too because i remember back when i got my driver's license seems like a million years ago um but that's when backup cameras were a novelty like they didn't come in every vehicle yeah. they came in some vehicles and i remember some friends telling me that when they did the part of their test that involved parking the instructor would cover up the screen so but you I couldn't still, rely on it look i've I, you and i have had this conversation before i seldom use my like the backup camera in the vehicles I test my golf doesn't have one because it's because it's too old um but all vehicles since I think it was 2018 um they became mandatory. mandatory on all all new vehicles sold in Canada um but I try not to use the camera because it's important to, to right. be able to do it just in case that screen stops working or exactly. if you're in a vehicle that doesn't have one it's good to to know the dimensions of your vehicle and not become too dependent on technology. Yeah. Um, that feature is there for a good reason. It's mandatory for a good reason is that it, it is good for safety, but it's also important that you know, you know, what you're driving and the size yeah. of it. So you don't want to rely on it. No. It's there as a backup. Yes. Um, of course, they're super handy and I love having a reverse camera. Oh, here's another rule that's probably changed since, uh, since we took our test is mm -hmm. that, you know, it's always been, uh, and Jody knows how much my blood boils when there's an emergency vehicle and people don't oh. stop. But the other, the, the sort of amendment to the law uh, and to the rule book that would be more recent is that it also applies to tow trucks now. Um, so if a tow truck is stopped on the side of the road with its emergency lights going, that you have to move over a lane just as you would for a police vehicle right. or a, a fire. Because paramedic. it's all about safety. Yeah. Give them space because, yeah. you know, too many um, crashes have happened. It's one of those weird things, right? It's like moths to a flame. I don't know. There's so many videos that you'll see um, or aftermath photos you'll see of, let's say, like a police officer has someone pulled over on the side of a highway and another vehicle just smashes right into that. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, one of those things where you're not paying attention, and then all of a sudden it's like the bright flashing lights. I think it's one of those things where it's like you, you're distracted by what's going on. And that's why you have to look where you want to go. Because yeah. if you're looking at that crash, you're going to crash into that yeah, crash. <laughs> it's really so, you know, again, like give give them room. And yeah. we'll, Jody keeps teasing me. She This is how she keeps me on the podcast is like, oh, Dan, don't worry. We'll talk road safety soon. 
November is road safety <laughs> month. Oh, I got to so wait till November. So our, our road safety episode where we're going to talk about all of our pet peeves about road safety and yeah. what we see when we're out on the road. That will come uh, in our November episode. Okay, cool. Um, and Andy's last question, yep. he says, bonus question. A lot of people have feelings about anchovies and pineapple on pizza. Ooh. But would you ever order a pizza that features a sunny side up egg? I would say yes. I have, I've had pizza with eggs on it before and it is delicious. I just had that. Remember I sent you the photo? Um, what's, I don't know if it's just pronounced SOI snacks or if it's like soy snacks. I don't know. But I, I read about this fantastic sort of like fusion pizza place um, that's in like, I think it's in Markham. Uh, you guys should well, Andy's look, from Markham. You can look, probably yeah, <laughs> you should look it up because uh, it's fantastic. And they do like pad thai pizza mm. and stuff. So they do like egg on on the pizza, and man, it's so good. I love eggs on pizza, especially a sunny side up egg. One time I had a breakfast pizza with like it had bacon oh, yeah. and and a sunny side egg. It was delicious. I don't eat meat anymore, but there's if you guys have never tried like you know either ham or pepperoni. Um, pineapple and hot peppers might sound like a a weird combo trust me try it you'll love it i've also had like pulled pork with jalapeno and pineapple and it's just weird combos that you've really got him going out dan's favorite topic is pizza oh, so thank you so baby. much for your question andy um and if you have any questions for for dan or myself about cars or pizza or whatever you can email us at expert at trader.ca like if you want to talk about why the spare tire is called a pizza cutter wheel because it's so skinny and it's cute so skinny. anyways <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for joining us on episode nine of own the road with auto trader till next time see you